You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of RB1 Colon A Fantasy Football Podcast. I am your humble host, Pete Rogers, joined, as always, by Just Clark Barnes and Mr. Class Jordan Smith. I spiced up the intro just a tiny bit because I was realizing more and more that, you know, we while we do want to welcome everyone to the RB1 Podcast, uh, we also want to kind of let people know that there are plenty of other episodes for them to go back and listen to. So if we say another episode, well, then that just shows the longevity of the show. Keywords count. Keywords count. Uh, they're important. And I actually, since we're talking about the RB1 podcast, on the RB1 podcast, I had a crazy realization today that I want I want to share with you guys. Um, a little RB1 history. So the show originally was created uh, by myself and fellow Fate Teams writer Jonathan Barnett, uh, who left uh, middle of last year, I feel like. Um, he was doing actual adult things, starting his own law firm, which took him away from podcasting twice a week. Uh, whereas myself and Clark, you know, we at that time, I mean, what what kind of career did we have? Yeah, I still got nothing going on. <laughs> so so we can podcast whenever we want. Um, so but one of the ploy, one of the plays with the names was RB1 Rogers Barnett, you know, RB, RB. And I realized uh, just today, I was like, holy shit, that still works. Rogers and Barnes, Clark Barnes. Um, and this just means Jordan needs to pull a, uh, pull a Neo and only go by the one. So that that way we can be the three of us in that title, Rogers, Barnes, and one. And Jordan, you can just uh, be one. He could be the colon. Or the colon. That's the colon. You, you take your pick. <laughs> take your pick, Jordan. Do you want to be the one or a colon? It's up to you. Well, I am all about punctuation, but I, I think I'll, I will go with the, the one. That sounds okay. great. Cool. I mean, not to inflate my ego like it needs to be any larger. Um, and I well, know Mr. Barnett is listening right now, so I'm just going to preface this podcast by saying all my fantasy takes are to throw him off of my uh, my trail during the fantasy football season this year because we're going to be playing in a league together. Ooh. I just I just uh, reactivated the league, my longest running league that I'm commissioner of today. Um, so that's it was a big moment. It was a big moment being like, you know what, this league is happening again for its sixth season now. So applause all around. We have so much news to get to. Um, wow, and this is this is why once the season starts, the actual season starts, we do two shows a week. Um, so the news doesn't pile up on us like this, but. Got a lot of news to get to. And then, like we said last week, last week we did the AFC fantasy previews. This week we're doing the NFC, um, and we're going to then tackle all of those 16 teams. Um, so let's start right off with the news. And 
let's start the news with Jalen Ramsey roasting every single starting quarterback in the NFL. I hope all of you guys have seen this already, because if not, you really missed your whole life opportunity on Twitter today. I thought it was fantastic, and I thought your tweet about it was fantastic with the the clip of Michael Scott doing his boom roasted routine. Jim, you're 6'11", and you weigh 90 pounds. Gumby has a better body than you. Boom. Roasted. Dwight, you're a kiss-ass. Boom. Roasted. Pam, you failed art school. Boom. Roasted. Just fantastic. It was just, for all you office, I like, that's, that was just how I found the best way to interpret what Jalen Ramsey said. And in fact, that's how I'll read. So in a GQ interview, Ramsey was asked about a bunch of quarterbacks in the NFL, and it was just released today. Um, And he had some truly magnificent takes, um, which all of which are pretty on the nose. I can't say there were any takes that I was like, wow, this is just a horrible take. They were all pretty, pretty appropriate. Uh, and you can judge for yourself as read as we read them. And as Jordan alluded to, so I tweeted it out with um, the Michael Scott boom roasted. Um, and so for all you office fans, I just find that these takes are best read if you read them like that. So uh, for your enjoyment, here are Ramsey's best burns. Boom. Roasted. Josh Allen. He's trash. I don't care what nobody says. He's trash. And it's going to show, too. That's a stupid draft pick to me. Boom. Roasted. Jimmy G. I guess you could say he's good. Boom. Roasted. Ben Roethlisberger. He ain't all that. I played him twice a year last year, and he really disappointed me. Boom. Roasted. (laughs) Joe Flacco. Flacco sucks. I played him two years in a row. He sucks. Boom. Roasted. Eli Manning. It's not really Eli. I think it's Odell. I won't say Eli's good. I'll say Odell's good. Boom. Roasted. Matt Ryan. He's overrated. You can't tell me you win MVP two years ago, and then last year, you're a complete bust, and you still got Julio Jones. Boom. Roasted. He did have the occasional nice thing to say. Uh, He called Watson and Wentz future MVPs, so there you go, Clark. Yes. I, in return, will say something nice about the Jaguars this year. Ooh, wow. Look forward to that, Jaguars fans. Um, my personal favorite was that when asked about Matt Stafford, he just his only thing was he's straight. <laughs> that was all he said. Which I guess, like, sure, good. Good for you, Matt Stafford. So Matthew Stafford is the meridian. Right. Between good and bad, it's like, eh, okay. That sounds what? like high praise coming from Jalen Ramsey, though. Yeah. 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 Uh, the other people who regard to him did not suck were, I believe, Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers, Kirk Cousins surprisingly made that list. I hope he does this in four years when he's not on the Jaguars again, because I'd really like to hear how he feels about that quarterback. Yeah. Yeah. He When asked about Blake Bortles, he was like, I like playoff, Blake. It's like, oh, <laughs> wow, man. I would I would pay a lot of money to hear Jalen Ramsey's true opinions about his uh, starting uh, starting quarterback. While I continue to write about sports gambling for a great website called faketeams.com, I feel like this just helps Jalen Ramsey's uh, Defensive Player of the Year uh, futures bet plus 1,300 because more eyes are just going to continue to be on him. And if he starts to perform and shut down people, then it's just going to help his case. So maybe throw some money on that. When you posted that article – Find it on faketeams.com. Uh, I that was the biggest thing that stuck out to me. I was like, Jalen Ramsey, that is those are some very good odds for a player who I don't think it's that hard to fathom him winning defensive player of the year. I mean, it's gonna be tough for it, it would have to be a change in kind of what how you judge the um 
you know, the winner, I guess, because in tradition, right, it's always been a little more stats oriented, right? Defensive players mm-hmm. who've won it have been hugely disruptive and have put up numbers. Whereas in a cornerback, it's going to be hard to put up numbers because why, you know, quarterbacks will just stop throwing the football at your direction. But I feel like that in today's age where, you know, PFF does all their rankings and those rankings are taken into consideration and things like this could be a time where a cornerback who is just not targeted an entire season, that to me feels like a defensive player of the year candidate. So it'll be interesting to see if you have that kind of situation where Ramsey doesn't put up stats, uh, but, that's only because of the fact that he's just not seeing the football, whether or not that's enough grounds to uh, to win a defensive player of the year award. Yeah, precisely. It's all about the stats that aren't going to be there that will help Jalen Ramsey. And if he like I detailed in the article, if he keeps on, um, you know, shining a spotlight on himself, then that'll get other people to start looking into, well, what is Jalen Ramsey actually doing this year? He doesn't have any interceptions, but also he's limiting wide receivers to two catches a game or something more crazy like that right i thought that was gonna be clark's opportunity to say one nice thing about the jaguars but he's saving it i want to save it i want to save it oh man i'm curious this is gonna be exciting we're gonna track this all season long as to when is the one time that clark's gonna use his one nice thing about the jaguars i love it i'm gonna start a twitter account did clark say something nice about the jags yes oh that's we're gonna tweet retweet that regularly from rb1 uh moving on in the news we all know Antonio Callaway has been in some hot water regarding marijuana possession, uh, the wide receiver for the Cleveland Browns. But what we didn't know was how harsh Hugh Jackson's punishment would be. Um, this per Nate Ulrich, who is a beat reporter for the Browns. Hugh Jackson, Hugh Jackson said playing wide receiver Antonio Callaway nearly the entire preseason opener was disciplined for the incident a week ago, possession of marijuana citation. Uh, which moral of the story is don't piss off Hugh or else he might just make you play the sport that you love, you guys. Yeah, it was pretty wild watching Hard Knocks last night and actually seeing that play out. Because like in the first 15 minutes, you had known that it happened and Todd Haley was trying to talk to Antonio Callaway on the sidelines and Callaway just looks so uncomfortable and so awkward. Like you knew something was up and I'm surprised Haley didn't like press him more in that moment to tell him what was wrong. And I mean, it's kind of a clown show. Like Hugh Jackson's just lucky that his wide receiver who's supposed to step in now that they shipped away uh chris coleman didn't like blow out an acl or something like that they're super lucky this brown's stint on hard knocks has been as good as everyone want it to be and it's only two two shows in this is it, ridiculous it's absurd and 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 I'll, I'll let jordan who's our i mean and it sounds like clark you've also now tuned into hard knocks i have yet to watch all of it so not that I need to say spoilers, but I will rely on you guys to be our, our hot, hard knocks experts. Uh, it definitely seems like this is shining a light on the complete and wild ineptitude of the Browns coaching staff and that you have Todd Haley and um, Greg Williams, who are both accomplished coordinators and who had, you know, Todd Haley had a stint as a head coach Um challenging Hugh Jackson who seems to have no real control over things it it seems like there's a very interesting dynamic playing out between coordinators and the head coach and that this could all be uh heading for a giant collision course middle of the season 
I saw a tweet or something like after the first episode that said uh, Todd Haley and Greg Williams are planning a coup right now. Like it it was during that um, the scene where they have the like team meeting and they're trying to figure out how to motivate players. And Todd Haley just looks like he's just doesn't understand what's going on in that room (laughs) at all. This is instilling so much confidence in Cleveland Browns fans. So good on you guys Um, in injury news. Seahawks rookie running back Rashad Penny had surgery on a broken bone in his finger. And with that, I'd like to welcome everyone to that time of year where the fantasy community without fail talks themselves into Chris Carson as a Seahawks workhorse only to be massively let down. I feel like a not great situation is getting even muddier and I just want nothing to do with anyone in the backfield. Some succinct analysis. Don't do this. That's, you know, that's what you come to this podcast for is succinct analysis where we just say gut reactions. We don't have stats to back it up. It's just this is how we feel. Trust our feelings. I was baffled when the Seahawks took Penny like in the draft. I was already baffled at why they would do that. Their offensive line has shown no signs of improvement and being a unit that you can actually run the ball behind. And I feel like like they don't understand that having a good running back isn't going to fix that. Like, yeah, they had Marshawn Lynch running back there once upon a time, but that guy can run into a brick wall and get back up and start running again. So it's, I don't know. It's, it's mind boggling. I wouldn't bet on Rashad Penny, Penny, even if he was healthy. If you were to uh, do a power ranking of men in the world who could run headfirst into a brick wall, get up, and then succinctly run in a straight line, where would Marshawn Lynch fall into that power link power ranking? No, no further down than four. Mm, okay, right? okay, like, yeah, I would say firmly in the top four. Firmly in the top four, top five. I just feel like Gronk would be number one. I do. I that was kind of what I was. I feel like Gronk could be someone who could run multiple times into a brick wall and still get up and be like, "Let's do that again." Yeah, Christian McCaffrey, oddly enough, showed that he could do that all year last year behind the <laughs> Panthers' offensive line. Boom, roasted. I feel like an like an extreme sport athlete has to be in there too, like the ones that go flying 100 miles per hour down a mountainside because obviously like, they're not afraid of smacking into anything. Like the like the durability. ski jump dudes who just yeah. go rocketing down and then they get launched 3000 feet in the air. I you know, that's the height of a of an airplane, but you know, who who's to say that they can't hit those altitudes as well. Um also in injury news, uh Dolphins wide receiver Devontae Parker suffered a broken middle finger, which is a bummer. We talked about him last week. Jordan's already upset. He was a guy who not only needs a breakout season, but a lot of us were expecting to have one. He was kind of a sleeper to a certain extent. He, you know, I think his ADP was something where in the sixth or seventh round, you take the risk on him. If he pans out and becomes a wide receiver one, that's great. If not, you know, you cut bait and you feel okay. Jordan, you talked about the Miami Dolphins la- uh, last week. Go listen to the podcast. Um, what are your feelings now that Devontae Parker has a uh, broken middle finger? Is this it for him or can he come back and, and is he still worth taking a risk on? I don't know. It seems like it's another injury that is semi-minor, but also just adds on to the series of minor injuries that Devontae Parker has had over the past couple of years that have caused him to miss a game or two or not be able to play at 100% just in general. Um, I touched on the podcast saying that maybe being a contract year that might cause him to be able to work through some small minor ailments, but um, I don't know. 
maybe he's already getting this broken finger injury out of the way <laughs> instead of right away in the season. That I don't know. It's it's a little alarming for me. My confidence in Devontae Parker is shaken a little bit. That's for sure. Yeah, that's upsetting. It's upsetting to see that from Devontae Parker because he was definitely someone who I kind of had quiet eyes on uh, as someone who you could target in later rounds and who might be able to pan out finally because you're hoping everything works out for him in Miami, but maybe not. Maybe he's one of those guys who putters around for three or four years and the team that drafted him and then in free agency signs a super cheap deal and you know suddenly blossoms in a uh, in a different location. It's, it's one of those situations where, and this is what I was thinking, like, hey, maybe those injuries in the past couple of years were just plain old bad luck. And then this happens, and now you're thinking to yourself, well, like, this is just who he is, apparently. He might be uh, saving us from ourselves with this injury. Maybe he took that into consideration. Maybe he saw himself rising ADP boards, and he was like, you know what? I don't have that much confidence in myself, and I don't want to let my whole fantasy community down. So he just punched a wall with his middle finger out. And then he was like, Oh no, a broken middle finger. Darn. I'm just gonna have to be out for a while. Who Do knows? we have word on Ryan Tannehill from Jalen Ramsey? Uh, Ryan Tannehill. Yes, we did have word on Ryan Tannehill from Jalen Ramsey. I believe his response was, uh, I don't know much about him, but I think he's all right. I think was the kind of general vibe. It was interesting. Someone did a, uh, some stat, Head might have just been like NFL stats did a breakdown of all the quarterbacks who Jalen Ramsey said were who Jalen Ramsey said didn't suck and all the ones who he said did suck. And it's actually a pretty direct correlation of quarterbacks who have had success targeting Jalen Ramsey didn't suck and quarterbacks who have had no success targeting Jalen Ramsey did suck, which seems like a very fair way to gauge if a quarterback sucks or not yeah i saw it in the twitter sphere too and i was like wow jalen ramsey might have done some really good research about this beforehand or he just has like a, a super good feel for the game because i mean he gave credit where it was due which is nice if you think you know that guy's straight is credit where it's due. <laughs> he's he's the, right. we get matt, matt stafford flat line he's the he is the gauge between who sucks and who doesn't which i think is apt Jalen Ramsey, don't don't distrust discount Jalen Ramsey's uh, football analytics uh, opinions. You might be better at this than we all are. Uh, so there you go. There's the NFL news. Um, now we'll get into our NFC fantasy preview. And before we do, I want to start this segment. We haven't done this in a long time, but I'd like to toss the cover, the curtain that covers the piano, to toss it off, and. Um, and say normally that I make a list in my notes. I normally make a list of Clark and Jordan and myself and pick which teams we're going to talk about when. Um, but I was lazy today um, because Becca, my wife, was homesick. And so maybe I didn't do as much work as I probably should have. And instead we hung out as you know one does when their uh, life partner is ill. Um, so instead, I'm just going to rattle off names and you guys get to pick what team you want to talk about when. Don't worry, we'll still have the, and let me get it all queued up, we'll still have the dope-ass Power Ranger music to cue us when uh, your three minutes to stop talking is up. And that sounds like... Boom. So there you go. Uh, uh, Clark, start us off. Pick a team that you're going to talk about today. All right, we'll start with the Rams. And this is a team that I think is good at football and going to do well again at football. And I think it's a team where you just avoid pretty much everyone on the team 
with the caveat of by avoid Todd Gurley, I mean you hesitantly take him fifth overall instead of first overall. Patty Cooper of FakeTeams.com fame wrote an article on why you should not draft Todd Gurley and made a lot of compelling arguments. Uh, to me, I'm just waiting for the other ACL to go and guys that finish first one year just don't repeat. And I know that's kind of superstitious analysis, but it's also true. Like it just happens. <laughs> so we draft people based on what we saw last year. And that just doesn't happen very often. The only exception I think we have here is Cooper Cup in PPR. He's going in the middle of the eighth. I think if you pick him up to be your third wide receiver or a flex play, uh, he had the, what, what is it here? Targeted the most times at 94 and had the second most receptions at 62 behind only Todd Gurley, who had 64 receptions. So God. Jared Goff does not like to throw the ball deep. Brandon Cooks is getting overdrafted. Uh yeah, just avoid avoid the Rams unless you get unlucky and pick fifth and get Todd Gurley. So, I have a bone to pick with you here, Clark. Because, not just because he was a Patriot for a year, but I'm a big Todd Gurley fan this year because I feel like the Rams invested a lot to get him and then paid him a lot of money. So, I have a hard time believing that Sean McVay doesn't have a purpose for Brandon Cooks more than just someone to stretch the field and open up under spa- underneath space for uh, Cooper Cup and Todd Gurley to operate. One of the things that surprised me when I was looking back at the Patriots stats, he consistently scores you a decent number of touchdowns and in fact was tied for second in the team last year on the Patriots in end zone, red zone targets, despite the fact that he's a smaller, quicker guy. So I understand why you might have some hesitation in drafting cooks. And I do think that he's maybe priced a little high at what he currently is, which I believe is like the top of the third round. Um, but he's not someone who I'm going to be completely shy away from because I think he is going to have a role in L.A. Uh, and could thrive in that role. But I appreciate everything else you said, Clark. I will say this about Todd Gurley, and this might just be my weird nature to want to zig when everybody else is zagging. But I think Todd Gurley is going to be fine this year. It's going to be super difficult for him to put up the same sort of year he did last year just because last year was like an out-of-this-world performance across the entire season oh, that doesn't mean his uh fantasy season isn't going to be like a top five overall season out of a, a, any fantasy player which i think is very possible todd Gurley is just going to be plagued by that sophomore season that he had until he starts putting together like consistent good seasons uh jordan pick a team let's go um, I'll go with the Cardinals because this one was hard, the hardest for me to do. Um, the bus category is completely wide open with the Arizona Cardinals. I said anybody not named David Johnson could potentially be a bust. Um, so I don't know whether that's JJ Nelson. Will he even be the number two wide receiver or will that be Williams being the number two or Christian Kirk? Will he be the number two? Um, who starts at QB for them? It could be Bradford, could be Rosen. Could be neither of them. Um, tight end, will it be Ricky Seals-Jones or will it be Jermaine Gresham? Who's actually going to be getting the bulk of the um, targets there? Um, I know this is sacrilege, but will this actually be the year that Larry Fitzgerald starts to take a step back? Oh. That might be – I mean, I know, I know. I don't want to Clark, believe Clark either, is on but... mute but cussing, at, just uncontrollably swearing in the background. This, this might be a, a Tom Brady rule that applies where people are just 
they might be a little bit afraid. They don't know when this year is going to come. It's, it is going to eventually, but you never know when it's going to be. Um, the sleeper, though, I picked, and this one is just perfectly on brand for me. I said the Cardinals defense. Um, <laughs> so I got this off of Sports Illustrated. Only one NFC team blitzed more than the Arizona Cardinals last season, and that was the Carolina Panthers, who were coordinated by new Cardinals head coach Steve Wilkes. Um, their second third best defensive player Chandler Jones has created more negative plays over the past two seasons than any player in the NFL. Um, so if we're talking sacks or slowing down running backs, that's something that Chandler Jones can do. Um, they don't have any Tyran Matthew there. Uh, usually the Cardinals are at least a top 10 defense, but without Tyran Matthew, I feel like they're just kind of being uh, disregarded a little bit, but um, if Hassan Reddick and Buda Baker make jumps this year, that could help them out greatly. Um, along with getting back Marcus Golden, who if people remember was actually having a super good season before he tore his ACL. So that could be pretty significant. I forget how very much on brand that was for Jordan, not only because he picked a defense, but also because a lot of his defense came from coaching changes. Jordan Jordan is very keyed in on who is coordinating, who is head coaching, where does that transition lie, and what co- coaches' kind of schemes and and uh, tendencies are. This guy, he, he knows his shit. There's a reason why, of the three of us, he's the only one loud on an actual NFL training camp. That's was just something that <laughs> I don't know why I picked that up. I'm just year after year, I'm looking for new little edges. So that's that's my thing this Edge. year: is coaches, coaching changes. The Cardinals are so frightening this year. Even David Johnson, who had an amazing year with Bruce Arians, one of the best offensive minds in football. I, We just have no idea what they're going to look like. Even Larry Fitzgerald, who I love. Jordan, you make a good point. He Last year was wide receiver 30. He's wide receiver 14 now in PPR. And that's not cheap. Not. Uh, I'm going to stay in the NFC West and I'll talk about the San Francisco 49ers. Uh, this is a guy who I have had. I used to be very down on him. I'm kind of starting to come around to him. Maybe I would describe myself as lukewarm. That's Jarek McKinnon. Uh, at first, I thought, like, oh man, he is way overpriced. He's currently right now, let me just quickly uh, bring up numbers. Um, currently going in the end of the second round. RB 15 right behind Christian McCaffrey and uh, right behind Joe Mixon, you know, maybe I can convince myself of that. Um, But like, if I looked at nothing else other than that, I'd be like, well, you know, I'm not entirely sold. That being said, I'm pulling a Jordan here. I'm looking at Kyle Shanahan's tendencies under Kyle Shanahan over the last three years. uh, The running back one in his system has finished in 2015, uh, Devonta Freeman finished uh, RB1 in fantasy. 2016, Devonta Freeman finished RB6 in fantasy. And then 2017, last year, Carlos Hyde finished RB8 in fantasy. So Kyle Shanahan, number one running backs in Kyle Shanahan's offense, get fantasy production. Now, there's not a lot of production behind him. And so the question then becomes, well, is Jarek McKinnon legit going to be the 49ers number one running back? Or are you going to kind of get a balance between him and I think it's Matt Breida and they brought in. Oh, and Alfred Morris, they just brought in as kind of a bruising power back. So if Jarek McKinnon is legit going to be the number one option in that backfield, I could see him having a a decent amount of fantasy success and maybe living up to that ADP. Uh, 
it's it's a you know I'm kind of in that lukewarm stage right now where I'm not entirely sure if he's a positive or a negative for me. The trouble I have with McKinnon is that he's been in the league for four years now. He's had several opportunities with injuries in front of him to be the man and be the lead back, and he just hasn't done it yet. I mean, maybe he will in in year five. You hate to write somebody off just because they haven't had success early, but I mean, Latavius Murray showed that he was a better back than Jarek McKinnon last year. Or is he going to be someone like Chris Thompson, who like Jared McKinnon when when Latavius Murphy and um, and Brandon uh, not Brandon Cook, uh, um, um, Dalvin Cook, Dalvin know. Cook, uh, when they were injured and there was that stretch where there was a stretch where Jared McKinnon was like a very strong fantasy option for the Vikings, but I wonder if that's I wonder if he's better in that kind of pass catching change of pace slot receiver running back role that's become very popularized. Um, and if, or whether or not that can, and if that can transfer into an actual starting gig, I don't know. We'll see, but he's someone who is a little pricey for me. I could, I would not surprise me if he finished in the top 15, top 12 of running backs, but is he someone I'm going to risk on at the kind of, as my second pick, you know, if I'm taking him in the second round, I'm not entirely sure about that. Yeah. I'm with Clark here. I'm a little worried that McKinnon played himself into a good contract last year. So yeah, it, it I'm hesitant to. I might have to watch a preseason game or two of the Niners just to see. <laughs> yep. Clark. So we're going to go with my last Debbie Downer team of the podcast, and that's the Eagles. Uh, we always look at the team that won the Super Bowl and just talk about how they're going to be freaking amazing for the next 10 years. We've never seen a collection of talent like this. How are they <laughs> not going to dominate the NFL? And unless your team name is the Patriots, that just doesn't happen. There's always a huge drop-off from the Super Bowl team. And the Eagles, I think, are good, and I think Carson Wentz is good, but we just do not see teams repeat like this. And from a fantasy perspective, the Eagles did this spreading the ball around. The only guy that was worth having on your team was Carson Wentz before he went down. And he's going as the QB6 right now, the QB7, depending on where you look, coming off a very late-season ACL injury. So if you're you're gonna have to take him awfully high to speculate that he gets back to form, and a lot of his form was rushing and moving the pocket. So I just think you just avoid the Eagles this year, not because they're bad players, but these are just bad fantasy plays. Yeah, I'm hesitant on the Eagles too. I'm looking at the NFC East right now, and uh, NFC East team has not repeated as NFC East champion since well, I guess the Eagles back in 2004. So it's still 14 years ago um, when they actually they won in 20 or 2001, 2002, 2003, and 2004 back in the Andy Reid, Donovan McNabb heyday. But I was about to say, what is that Andy Reid getting fired in 2005? Yep. Yep. Because <laughs> he didn't win the NFC West. Yeah. So I'm, I'm right there with you. I think it's really, really difficult not only to repeat in the NFL, but to maintain consistent success unless you're unless they're really onto something, you know, as far as building the culture and everything like that. Alshon Jeffrey is starting the season on the PUP list. It seems like that running back situation. You're not entirely sure. And, and ginger Nick talked about it last week when he jumped onto the pod, you're not entirely sure if JJ is going to actually be the guy is he, you know, they also then have Corey Clement and Darren Sproles is still existing as a human being in the NFL. Um, I would say I would think about Zach Ertz as a legit tight end option. And I speak of this because he was my tight end last year and I very much enjoyed him having on my team. Um, 
But there, I would agree with you, Clark, that they're a team that I would want to see play out maybe a little bit more in a play out in a little more time than we have before drafts, right? Like I would want to see two or three weeks of actual football, not preseason, but actual football from them before to kind of get a sense of who they're using. So they're a team who I think would be a a waiver wire team where I'm keeping eyes on them on the waiver wire and, and all their players. Alshon Jeffrey, 120 targets, 57 receptions. Yeesh. Yikes. That's not good. Uh, Jordan, give us another team. Uh, we're going to go to the Chicago Bears. The um, Chicago Bears. One candidate, and this is mostly strictly off of feeling that I think has bust potential, is Trey Burton. Um, right now, he's the tight end 10, and I'm... I guess I kind of get it because he's an athletic tight end, but at the same time, I'm like, where are people all of a sudden anointing this guy as one of the top tight ends in the league when he really hasn't done anything yet? Um, I think it shouldn't be discounted that he was the third string tight end on the Eagles behind Zach Ertz, good tight end, Brent Selleck, super suspect. I like, I'm still baffled at that. And he's been on the Eagles for a couple of years now. And I, all of a sudden he is supposed to be this tight end one. I get that he's going to be in a new offense. He's going to be with Matt Nagy and maybe try to take over some of that Travis Kelsey role that Nagy had in Kansas city. But I, I don't know. I have to really see something from Trey Burton during this off season to suggest that he's a top 10 tight end at this point, because I have somebody coming up from a different team. That's going to be a better option Ooh. just, just because of consistency over several years. That, so the real question is Trey Burton going to be the next Dion Lewis a la gets out of Philly career blossoms who says no, but I, I was, when you brought up Trey Burton, Jordan, I was like, well, all right, Jordan, slow your roll. Trey Burton could be a pretty good tight end snack. And then you said he was going tight end 10. That is very rich in my opinion for someone who, who is a third string tight end and now is getting into a new offense where yes, he could be emphasized. Yes. Maybe, you know, he could blossom into something that I don't know, I guess at that tight ends 10 spot. And let me quickly be good at my job and bring up other tight ends that are going around there. Because I feel like around that spot, you can get tight ends who, you know what you're going to get. Well, Tyler Eifert, David Njoku has looked great in the preseason. Let me just say. He has, but he plays for Cleveland. Clark, don't scoff at me. Don't you dare scoff at me. <laughs> Jack Doyle, we all on this podcast assume Andrew Luck is playing this year. So Jack Doyle is somewhat. He, needless to say, I, I agree with your assessment on Trey Burton, Jordan. Well done. 10 is that spot where you're just taking a shot. I feel like I have more pushback against the hype of him being such a surefire thing because Chicago was awful with a rookie quarterback right. last year. So clearly they're going to be the Rams this year. And this coach used to do, used to coach for a team that had Travis Kelsey on it. Ipso facto, the new tight end is just going to be Travis Kelsey. Like, so I'm with you on like pump the brakes on the hype a little bit. I mean, at tight end 10, like, eh, I'd rather have Kittle. I'd rather have Eifert, but eh. If you're thinking about Burton, I, I would just say really keep track of the news and the reports out of training camp just to see how he's being utilized, how often, and then make your assessment. All right, let me finish up the uh, NFC West because I think we're all done with the NFC West if I make this person. We're going to talk about the CLC Hawks uh, and also just because this is my only – I'm a very positive person today, so this is my only other kind of negative. Um, 
I wanted to be ballsy and say negative to Russell Wilson. I looked at Russell Wilson's ADP. He's currently going QB4 at the back end of the fifth round. I do think that's kind of high. I think Russell Wilson can kind of outplay his surroundings, but eventually the surroundings are going to kind of catch up with you, and i.e. that means no running game and no offensive line in front of him. So is this the season? Who knows? Um, but what I'm going to say, and this has kind of been a theme for for um, for teams that we are a little bit down on, don't don't pick up any of his wide receivers. Doug Baldwin, maybe in PPR formats. I know I've said he's a wonderfully consistent guy. Um, so I guess I will eat crow and say, yes, pick up Doug Baldwin. Anyone outside of Doug Baldwin, ignore. They're worthless. Don't even try to pitch it to yourself that they are worth your time in fantasy. Well, like I think Baldwin's good and consistent, but we're already hearing reports that he's injured, so we're not going to see him in the preseason. And if And if he's a full go week one, that's fine. He's going at the end of the third round. So like, okay. But if we hear some like game time decision week one, him. it's going to be too late to bail at that point. He's, he's an older dude. So yeah. And like, and like you said, Clark, he's going, he's going at the end of the third round. He's getting sandwiched between Tyree kill and Adam Thielen. Yeah. And there's a lot of guys going right after him that I would much rather take a chance on. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, Amari Cooper, Juju Smith-Schuster, my boy Brandon Cooks. Yeah, there's some names out there that I think I would I would rather take. That Brandon well. Cooks guy, I'm expecting big things out of him this year. Yeah. Over the past three years, Russell Wilson has been the top fantasy scoring QB option. Um, I feel like the only person, because he's played with not-so-great weapons before, I feel like the only person that's stopping Russell Wilson is Russell Wilson himself. And by that, I mean, if he gets injured and with an injury in which he can't actually take the field, because he's played injured before too, and he's still been able to do some things. Right. And I feel like, I just feel like the clock is ticking on that, right? Like Russell Wilson has taken a lot of damage over the last three or four years. And eventually that's going to catch up to him. And eventually that's going to put him out for a long period of time. And the question is, is is that the risk to take at the end of the fifth round? Or would you rather just sit and wait for plenty of available quarterbacks in the 10th? All it takes is Russell Wilson scrambling out and some dirty Vikings player driving yeah. him into the ground. You, Anthony. Like a barbarian. <laughs> That's all it takes. All it takes. And then they'll call you fragile for the rest of your playing career, even though that was not his fault. Jordan, uh, let's let's spin that right into the Minnesota Vikings. Talk to me about them. Ah, yes, I love talking about this. Um, so they're bus- all gonna burn. <laughs> all bust. Don't draft them. Um, no, <laughs> the the bus candidate that I'm worried about is Stefan Diggs. Um, mostly because I'm a little concerned with people who want him as their top wide receiver. Um, currently, he's wide receiver eleven on the fantasy football calculator, but in his three-year career, he hasn't passed a thousand yards receiving yet, and he hasn't played 16 games yet. So that's something that's a little bit alarming to me. If he's going to miss two games, when are those two games going to be? You don't want those um, two games to be when you're trying to make a playoff run, if that's your top wide receiver. So that's a little bit alarming to me if you want to make him your number one receiver. And um, Kirk Cousins, I believe. Um, I have the right number here. Kirk Cousins loves throwing to tight ends and in two tight end sets. Um, he has the highest um, 
yards per attempt average when throwing in two tight end sets. So I think the average is like 12 and a half yards per attempt. And that leads me right into my sleeper candidate, Kyle Rudolph. Yeah. Because Kirk Cousins finally has a tight end that can play all 16 games. Uh, Kyle Rudolph has done that. Fire the- Jordan Reed. Boom. Roasted. Yeah, exactly. Kirk Cousins. Jordan on Jordan hate. Oh, Jordan on Jordan hate. Kyle Rudolph hasn't missed a game in three years, which is great. He has durability. I've compared him to Jason Witten. Um, so before Jason Witten retired, I looked at their um, three-year averages, and they both averaged 95 targets over the past three years. Um, they had nearly identical receptions, nearly identical yards, and nearly identical yards per catch averages over the past three seasons. And if Cousins finally has a durable tight end that he can throw to, that I feel like that'll eat into a possible thousand yard season out of Stefan Diggs, where he could miss a thousand yards again. And Kyle Rudolph, just consistent, you know, having him for 16 games is a lot better than having somebody for possible 13. Kyle Rudolph is going to have the career of Hall of Fame Jason Witten. You heard it here first. Yeah, I like the Diggs call. I I think I've fallen to the same trap as a lot of other people. Is you watch Stefan Diggs play, and he's so good. You want him to be great. But, yeah, he's mm-hmm. played, what, 13, 13, and 14 games. And then he always is not the greatest analysis, but he always seems like he's playing, like, with a hurt ankle or something. So hopefully he can put it together for a full year because he's so fun to watch play. But ugh, he's going high. Could be a super overqualified wide receiver, too. But as your top guy, I'm worried. Yeah. Personally, I'd rather take him over Adam Thielen, but that's just my own personal feeling. Clark, give us your next team. All right, so I've been a bit of a downer on the first two teams. Uh, The next one, not so much. The team in Washington, I'm kind of for drafting everyone worthwhile at their ADP. So you have Alex Smith going as the QB 18. That's a no-brainer. Alex Smith can run. And uh, all those years that Kirk Cousins was finishing as the fifth and sixth quarterback in the league, uh, obviously in Washington's offense there. So I think Alex Smith can step in and be super productive. Uh, unfortunately, pour one out for Darius Geis, who we lost oh. first week of the preseason, who I was exceptionally excited. Did we about. not have that? Oh my God. This is, again, this is why we have dual podcasts, bi- bi-weekly podcasts. Did we not talk about that last week? Did we? Did that happen? I don't recall. No, no it didn't. First on Wednesday. Game hadn't happened. Oh my yeah. God! Pour some out for Darius Geis who tore his ACL and is out for the entire season. Holy shit! Who who hosts this podcast and does their nose? My God, that guy is garbage. I'm picking you up, Pete. We got there eventually. We got there eventually. Uh, so whoever replaces him, and I'm putting my money on some AJP Ryan. Uh, he has no ADP. That's going to change. I'm figuring he's going to end up as like a seventh or eighth. Uh, Round running back, he'll split time with Chris Thompson, but I feel like there's plenty to go around. Uh, Jordan Reed's the tight end nine, early eighth rounder. I love picking Jordan Reed because if he plays, he's fantastic. And if he doesn't play, you know, you're going to throw someone else in there. So you're not going to struggle through mediocrity with Jordan Reed. Uh, and you get him so late. So now I know I didn't mention any wide receivers. Don't bother drafting any of the wide receivers on the team in Washington. Uh, but tight end running backs, Alex Smith. Washington's a very productive fantasy offense with Jay Gruden and a lot of great values in Washington. Yeah, Jordan Reed is a top five tight end for like five games out of the year. (laughs) 
That's, and if you get that, that in the whatever ninth round, tight end, what is he going as currently? Tight end nine. Sure. You know, you take those five games of, of massive production. You draft another tight end. You know, maybe someone who's a little r- riskier. David and Joku, OJ Howard, currently going in the back end of the fourteenth round. Mm, yes, please. Um, to pair him with, and so that you can get those good games out of Jordan Reed. I, I think Chris Thompson could be in for a very big season if he stays healthy. And I understand it's going to be on limited touches, but just the role that he was starting to play last year before he tore his ACL. I think if they can recreate that, which I think is entirely possible and it's Alex Smith who likes, I mean, everyone mocks him for his check downness. Um, but nonetheless, he likes to check down and Chris Thompson is someone who can make things happen with the ball in his hand. So he's, he's a running back who I'm keeping tabs on three minutes. ain't even done yet, but we moving on, moving on up. Um, I'm going to talk about the New York giants. Craziest thing right now about the New York Giants is Odell Beckham's ADP right now. Odell Beckham is currently going in the beginning of the second round because people are shitting themselves over these running backs, which is absolutely insane. Fantasy football calculator. Look at that shit, isn't it? Odell Beckham, wide receiver three, going first pick in the second round. Um. That's preposterous. The real person who I wanted to talk about, Evan Ingram, baby. Positive. We're talking about tight ends right now. He finished last year as a tight end five. And so, and this year he's currently going at tight end six. So, you know, he's kind of getting drafted right where you'd expect him to be. But I think he could be in for a massive year. Again, pulling a Jordan here. And I'm looking at what Pat Shermer does with a number one tight end in fantasy. Pat Shermer for the last four, Three years, 2015 in Philly, tight end number nine, 2016 in Minnesota, tight end number two, and 2017 in Minnesota, tight end number eight. So the last three years, he's given you a top 10 tight end. Evan Ingram is a hyper-athletic guy who can play slot. He's a Jimmy Graham, basically right in Jimmy Graham's prime. Uh, we've talked about him before on this podcast. Eli Manning has built up his connection with him, blah, 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 blah. He's going to eat. They're going to get him the football. I think he is a tight end who you can snag and be very just plug and play and trust his production consistently from a week in week out basis. Yeah. I'm high on Evan Ingram because he's just not a traditional tight end and it's almost cheating because he's literally just a big wide receiver that you can put in your tight end slot and you can put up wide receiver numbers instead of, you know, your questionable tight end, um, well, usual tight end numbers that aren't Gronk and Travis Kelsey. Fair pick at a fair price. Fair can't complain with that. Uh, we can't complain about Odell Beckham going in the second round. I mean, I'm not complaining so much as I am just saying what in the bloody hell is going on with the fantasy community right now. So, interestingly enough, if you're thinking that this talented wide receiver core that we're getting to enjoy watching play is getting drafted too late, I wrote an article about why zero RB is not dead and is available now. And oh, Clark Bond plugging his um, own artwork. There you go. I have no shame. Yeah, no. Why would you? That's the whole point of this podcast is to plug our own work. Why? Why else would people listen to us? Come on. Let's be real. Uh, Jordan. All right. Let's let's go to last year's uh, hard knock sweetheart, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Um, Buccaneers. I'm going bus side with Jameis Winston. Uh, 
he's not going to be a sneaky pick if you're snagging him after other people just avoided him because of that suspension that he has looming early in the season. His 61% career completion percentage is just not good. Um, and he will never not throw picks. It seems like he was like that in college too. And he j- he had a really good defense at, at Florida state, like almost historically good defense that always kept him in games, even though he was making a lot of mistakes. Um, I am looking for a different player, though, on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, somebody who doesn't have an ADP right now, and that's Chris Godwin. Chris Godwin has caught my attention. Um, he could be the Bucks wide receiver, too. Um, they do have Deshaun Jackson, but Deshaun Jackson can really only run in a straight line and go deep for the ball. Um He's a big and strong receiver. If you go and watch some of the training camp clips, he is his best highlights are of him like hand fighting and just beating the corner who's still right there lock and step with him, but he's just out muscling them and using his body to box them out to bring in the football. Um, his rookie year, um, he had a really transcendent like second half of the season. If you were paying attention, his first eight games, he had seven catches for 74 yards pedestrian for a rookie um but then in the second eight games he had 27 catches and 451 yards so a little bit of uh chemistry there that was starting to develop and really starting to get a good feel it's not like this is a training camp darling who was undrafted and is finally starting to make a roster no he has game experience already so no we've talked about him before on the podcast I, I like him a lot. I like those kinds of players who are making moves in training camp and f- working their way onto a roster because it's building confidence with that quarterback and that whole staff. And you know that they're going to then start developing plays, particularly to target that player. And getting another big physical receiver next to Mike Evans, that's going to just put so much pressure on the defense. And he could be someone who, you like you said, doesn't have an ADP. You could even just snag him off waivers. Or you draft him instead of a kicker in the end of the 15th round because screw kickers who cares um so mean <laughs> to kickers they play an integral role too. not only in fantasy but also in regular football why are we still talking about the bucks i think the Peyton barber is going super late end of the 12th or beginning of the 12th round he's super boring dirt cotter seems like the kind of coach who's going to go with a super boring back regardless of wanting to have fun and have a good football team so go ahead and get the starter in Peyton barber oh Heard it there first. Clack! All right, so I've got the Falcons. Uh, Julio Jones going at the end of the first is why zero RB is alive and well as a good strategy. Uh, Devonta Freeman going in the middle of the second. <laughs> okay, yes, I'll, yes, I'll take that. Please, please and thank you. Yeah, sure. Uh, Tevin Coleman still too high. Nope. Going in the middle of the seventh. The next Derrick Henry, as we like to say on this podcast. Oh. Uh, Damn you, Clark. Don't draft Calvin Ridley. I know it's exciting that he's a rookie, but just don't. Everyone's not Odell Beckham. He's not going to do that well his first year. And then I wrote this down and liked it. Uh, Matt Ryan's a glazed donut. I'm not going to complain, but who the hell chooses a glazed donut? (laughs) Okay, Jalen Ramsey. (laughs) (laughs) Boom. Roasted. (laughs) Yeah. There you go. There's your Falcons recap. I feel like the Falcons, there's nothing really spicy about, or not spicy, but new. You know what you're getting with the Falcons, except for the fact that I don't think Julio Jones is worth your first round pick, but I've, I've been on that train for the last seven years.
I think last year, the, the like the Falcons' offense as a whole was trying to refine their footing after losing Shanahan. Um, so I, I think towards the end of that, and I mean, you saw it a little bit in the playoffs too when they made that run to to really get into the playoffs. They they started to look a lot better offensively. So yeah, we'll see. I feel like that perfectly summarizes the Falcons. Yeah. We'll see. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> sure. Glazed donut. Glazed donut. Glazed donuts. Well said. Minute thirty left. Um, let us. Uh, what do I? Who do I want to talk about right now? Let's talk about the Carolina Panthers and uh, a player who, much like Jarek McKinnon, but now I've come a little more around to him than Jarek McKinnon. Um, I was kind of scoffing at Devin Funchess, being like, "Devin Funchess, why would you ever draft him in fantasy?" But the more I think about it, the more I actually kind of like him, particularly because of where he's currently going. Funches is going in the beginning of the eighth round, wide receiver 35. That is some very nice value for a man who led the team or who was targeted 111 times last year, had 63 catches, eight touchdowns, and finished wide receiver 21 last year. I think, obviously, the Panthers brought in some more talent around that offense, but I would be I would not be surprised if Christian McCaffrey played a little bit less of a role in the passing game, became a little more of a truer runner, especially without Jonathan Stewart there. Um, and then those targets going to Devin Funches and DJ Moore, but Devin Funches getting a lot of looks in the uh, red zone. So Devin Funches is someone who I initially was scoffing at. I've come around to. I'm on board. I feel like you can think Kelvin Benjamin's not a good wide receiver and also think everything he said about Cam Newton was true. But I feel like somehow Devin Funches, maybe this is entirely just me. I feel like Devin Funches somehow made more plays than Kelvin Benjamin. No, he's fine. And I I like what you hit on for, for his cost. He is the number right. one wide receiver on a team who doesn't have the worst quarterback in the world. He's just inaccurate. He can throw it. Funches is going to be fine. If Funches is your number two, number three wide receiver, that's fine. And that's well below what he costs. Screw. Yeah. Eighth round. He could be your flex guy who you put on the bench occasionally. I'm totally fine with that. Uh, quickly. Cause I want to pull a Jordan here. Who's the Panthers new head coach. No, it's Ron Rivera. I'm an idiot. Rivera. Ignore well, me. They, they did bring in North Turner. That's so. who I want to see North Turner. That All could right. be interesting with Devin Funches. If Let's they say wide receiver one under North Turner. If they decide to um, really integrate some vertical routes for, for both those guys, you yeah, know, Funches and more. I know they want to get the ball out of Cam's hands a little bit quicker this year, but I mean, with McCaffrey and Greg Olson and DJ Moore, there's still plenty of targets for Funches. It's not going to eat into it. Like, Funches was the only option in the passing game last year, it felt right. like at times. Maybe. Maybe Devin Funches will be the uh, Vincent Jackson in Carolina in North Turner's offense. Who says no? Old take there for you. Uh, Jordan, your turn. Uh, the green and gold, Green Bay Packers. Um, somebody who I'm a little bit low on for their offense, and I have been for a couple of years now, is Randall Cobb. Um, I mean, he's going in like the back end of the eighth round, which is fine. Like He has potential to put up um like some decent flex numbers for you but over the past two seasons he hasn't played um 16 games um again i'm going with my best ability is availability for fantasy he's only scored four touchdowns in each of the last two seasons so not a lot of opportunity there um 
and he's he's still recovering from an ankle injury that he had or he had surgery this offseason on it as well and he hasn't really been unleashed even in practice yet so you still don't know what you're getting with randall cobb so i'm just a little bit hesitant there can i um, can i just quickly be harsh for a second randall yes. cobb is undraftable in my opinion he has just shown me nothing recently to be worth spending a draft pick on him. So there you go. There's my yeah. opinion. Based on individual preference, and this is coming from me too. I always play fantasy with a lot of Packer homers. So Randall Cobb goes higher than he should. So um, the sleeper though, can't cut out my guy, uh, Aaron Jones. He's not going to start the season because he's got that two game suspension. So you might on a lesser scale be able to sneakily pick him up in a later round um a la zeke elliott last year um mm. currently he's going one slot ahead of randall cobb in the back of the eighth round and i just like jones better than jamal williams i don't think it'll be very hard for him to regain the starting uh running back role uh, he had it last season as soon as ty montgomery got hurt um he's more explosive he's a shiftier runner than jamal williams you can see that in the preseason already that jamal williams is not somebody who can pick up big chunks of yardage on the ground. He only averages 3.6 yards per carry, which is I don't know, curious, I guess. So if you, if you believe in your roster can survive like two to three games to start the season without Aaron Jones, I think you just had to hold on to him. And I feel like he'll be starting again. Boom. Uh, Jordan, we have 30 seconds. And in those 30 seconds, I want you in your most unbiased opinion to quickly pitch to me why, uh, Devontae Adams is worth taking in the middle of the second round as your wide receiver one. Because Devontae Adams is a top five wide receiver. He's consistent. He has um, put up, I believe, 12 touchdowns in 2016 and 10 last year without Aaron Rodgers for the majority of the season. And I feel like Aaron Rodgers is just going to be throwing flamethrowers all over the field. And Devontae Adams is the best receiver option that they have. So I'm, this is going to be the year that Devonte Adams eclipses a thousand uh, receiving yards, 14 touchdowns, and it's just having a all pro year. It's a hell of a pitch. Clack. Are these your guys' final team, by the way? Yes. Clack. Yeah. It is with your final team. And mine is also a team that I'm very excited about. So it may go rather quickly. The new Orleans saints, uh, Draft all the Saints at their ADP. So Kamara is my number two all overall running back. He's going as like the number six or seven. Uh, Michael Thomas is going at the beginning of the second round at 2.03. He's solid and safe and has been for a couple of years now with Drew Brees. I'll take Mark Ingram at the end of the fourth. You just have to wait a few games. I understand, but amazing running back in a great offensive system. Uh, ben Watson, who plays tight end. Uh, and will play tight end for the Saints, is free. So if you completely miss on tight end and just got to get somebody for week one, Ben Watson is a guy to keep an eye on. And then Traquan Smith is a rookie receiver that a lot of people have been talking about, you know, had some trouble in college, but is immensely talented. And it'll be interesting to see what he does in the NFL. And then the Saints pick him a little earlier than people thought they were going to. He's getting lots of buzz in camp. And so that's one of those don't leave your don't leave your draft without Traquan Smith kind of guys. Uh, God, any, anybody on the Saints is worth getting. So, 
I've already made my spiel about Alvin Kamara enough, so I don't need to reiterate that. If you want to hear what I think about Alvin Kamara, you can listen to previous episodes, and you can also read multiple articles that I have written about it. But needless to say, to summarize the uh, Cliff Notes version, not the biggest fan of him at his current ADP. Don't necessarily know he's going to put together the season that he had last year, but you know Clark thinks I'm an idiot for saying that. Well, I so there's you're an idiot. I think you're wrong. <laughs> so there's the Saints. That's quick, quick and easy. Clark, you came, you did it in an, a minute and thirty seconds. So well done. You only used half your time. Do you want to? <laughs> is there anything you want to? Do you want to talk about yourself for a minute and thirty seconds to fill the time? No, I'd like to cede my time to the gentleman from Green Bay and have him tell me why I should not take Aaron Rodgers at the beginning of the third round. Ooh, the gentleman from Green Bay. Do you accept said seeding question challenge, Mark? Wait, why you should not take Aaron Rodgers in the beginning of the third round? Because yeah. you absolutely should take him at, at by any means necessary. So yeah. helpful. Clark's I like, I was like, tell me why I shouldn't. No. like, no, 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 you should. We're good. We're friends I, now. I, really <laughs> I, I will say back to the Saints point, I'm kind of wondering what makes Michael Thomas a top option for wide receiver this year. Um, not that he isn't going to put up top wide receiver numbers, but he had 104 catches last year for 1200 yards, which is great, but he only had five touchdowns last year, which is something that I would want. I would want that number to go up a little bit more. I don't know. I guess I'm just looking at other wide receiver options for my top guy, but he finished consistently in the top 10 for, for fantasy wide receiver. He was wide receiver nine his rookie year wide receiver eight last year. I'm looking at the stats right now, and they're actually pretty phenomenal stats. So I think maybe my my blind my Packers blinders just aren't letting me see Michael Thomas as better than Devontae Adams. I think it's fair. It's fair. Those Packer blinders are uh, powerful. Got to take them off come draft day. Got to take them off come draft day. Um. So because I took six teams because I'm an overachiever and uh, a man of the people. I have two teams I got to quickly bang out. Uh, we'll talk NFC North quarterback, Matthew Stafford, who I have pitched on pretty much every platform I possibly can. Um, he is currently going, let's get these numbers in front of me, currently going QB 10 in the start of the ninth round. Uh, the thing about I love about Stafford, doesn't get injured. Uh, no matter how hard the Lions try to develop a rushing attack, just is never there, which means he's going to get plenty of opportunities to passing uh, to pass the football and their passing attack could be even more potent this year with Marvin Jones continuing to take a step forward. Uh, Golden Tate become, you know, is a monster out of the slot and Kenny Galladay is going to have another year under his belt and someone who can, who had shown flashes last year and could really put that together and being a real starting outside receiver, uh, which gives, Matt Stafford is someone, if you want to wait until the ninth or 10th round to draft a quarterback, Stafford always ends up in the top 10 of QBs. Hands down, super safe pick. Love him. Don't feel like there's much more to say about that. Yeah, um, they drafted Frank Ragnow to shore up that offensive line, and Kareon Johnson is a really good back, and he might be taking that spot. And um, Matthew Stafford's straight. Uh, and then, so my final team, the Dallas Cowboys. I was trying to spin something negative here because I've been very positive today, but I just couldn't bring myself to do it. So I'm going to talk about Michael Gallup, who has gotten a lot of talk out of training camp and had made some steps during the preseason game. People think he's, he looks good. He looks athletic. He looks like he can make plays on the football. Um, 
And the biggest thing going from him is that there's just no one else to catch the football in Dallas. Currently going in the 13th round, the back end of the 13th round, wide receiver 59. He's, why not? Throw, throw a pick at him. See what happens. He could pan out to be uh, you know, a wide receiver two or a, a very solid flex option. Why not take the risk? I'm trying to teach myself not to fall in love with the rookie wide receivers at, uh, for redraft leagues, at least. So I, I might be staying away from anybody not named Zeke Elliott on that team. Which is entirely fair because I didn't want to just be like, draft only Zeke Elliott. But I mean, let's yeah. draft only Zeke Elliott. So Zeke, I think, is the number one pick in fantasy this year. Just kind of hands down all formats. Uh, suspended for a couple of games last year and I think scored just a point or maybe like half a point behind Todd Gurley for points per game had an absolutely amazing season just like he did his rookie year and he should play 16 games this year and as much as I hate to say this uh Dak Prescott's going as the QB 21 so you can wait on quarterback if you don't take Aaron Rodgers early 100% even though Jordan told you you have to take quarterback early and it's got to be Aaron Rodgers can't disagree with the man who knows who has sources and knows the Packers intimately. Intimately. He played cornhole with Jimmy Graham intimately. We have to get a drop of that. Hey, I'm trying to get invited to the Danica Aaron Rodgers wedding, so <laughs> trying to get into the inner circle. Oh God, if that ever happened, that'd be the greatest thing this podcast has ever accomplished. We would we would mic you up like you were going in for like a sting, a setup, and we would get like a whole equipment so that you would have a whole recording device on you throughout the entire wedding. I think you sell it as this is the only media outlet, Aaron, since we're on a first name basis, Clearly. that hasn't ever dogged you out. Make them pay. And yeah. then, you know, get some pub for RB1. Yeah. You know what? If if my um, Aunt Jackie and Uncle Doug are listening right now, I still have video of Danica Patrick's dad singing Bohemian Rhapsody at your wedding. So You're, that's just what? something I have to drop. This is happening. <laughs> this I is do. entirely happening, Jordan. Danica Patrick's dad was at your aunt and uncle's wedding? Oh, yeah. You're, you're definitely going to get invited <laughs> to Aaron Rodgers and Danica Patrick's wedding. That's that's just Green Bay life, man. It's a smaller community than you can literally. Imagine. <laughs> oh, when you get married at Lambeau, oh yeah, tickets are only going to be like five bucks, and it's just to pay for the cleanup. <laughs> it's going to be wonderful. Uh, it's going to be great. Jordan's going to be ring bear. Ring bear. Ring bear. <laughs> Sounds like ring bear. Uh, well, there you go. There's your NFC fantasy preview. I keep wanting to say NFC North, but it's not. It's the entire NFC. We did everything covered all the bases for you guys so you guys are all set make sure to subscribe on itunes give us five stars leave us lots of reviews tell us how much you love us follow us on twitter at rb1 podcast follow myself at pm rogers follow clark at nfl clark follow jordan at jordan underscore smith 27 we will be back at you guys next week um we're gonna talk i think we're gonna talk some draft strategy next week since people are probably gonna be start doing their drafts pretty soon We'll key you guys in on some things that we're kind of finding, some draft strategies we like this year. Um, and until then, uh, peace!